Hello friends, welcome back to the Complete Tech Heads podcast with me Tom Edwards and if you are anything like me you will not have been able to stop refreshing your social media feeds to learn about the latest in the psychodrama that is OpenAI. So as a recap, Sam Altman was fired, Greg Brockman joined him, Uh, they then apparently went to Microsoft and at the centre of all of this was a man called Ilya Sutskeva, who is uh, the, well, previously the chief scientist who was running Super Alignment, uh, who now apparently seems to have gone back on his initial concerns and is backing Sam Altman. So nobody really knows what's going on, but I wanted to dig into this a little bit deeper. And so I have my first ever returning guest joining me, um, which is Liron Shapira. Liron came on previously and we discussed uh, Doomerism and his view that uh, AI and AGI and ASI are potentially incredibly dangerous prospects for humanity. So I discussed with him this week the implications that everything at OpenAI might have for us as a species. Um, It is my view that this is the great question of our age, potentially of all humanity. AI is the most powerful technology that we've perhaps ever invented as a species. And so while it seems quite fun and funny and silly and mad, actually the fate of our species is also kind of hanging in the balance. So I wanted to kind of ground the conversation in I guess the worst case scenario. Uh, Liron is is very much on the doomerism side um i'm not quite as as uh not despondent but as uh as 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 scared and and worried as he is about the prospect of ai but as i say in the show i do accept that there is probably at least a five percent chance that it all goes wrong so certainly a question worth thinking about and certainly a question worth talking about and so that is what I've got in store for you this week. As a side note, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been watching the live streams on YouTube and on Twitter and following me and engaging. I've had loads of comments recently and loads of new subscribers and all of that good stuff. Uh, the podcast listener numbers seem to be going in the right direction as well. So thanks to all of you who have stuck with me. Um, and a special thank you if you're listening to uh, Alex Sellers, um, one of the very first guests who frantically whatsapped me when the open ai stuff was all kicking off to let me know that i needed to do an emergency pod which i did so hopefully you guys all listen to that as well this is a development on that i guess a lot has happened in the last few days so it's kind of a retrospective on where we're at with open ai as well as another bit of a deep dive into the kind of doomerism thesis as well so hope you enjoy it Hope you're all having lovely days, weeks, and aren't getting too down in the dumps about all the craziness with with AI. Hopefully, it'll all work out for the best and it will fulfill its promise to be the transformational technology that's going to bring about uh, utopia on Earth. (laughs) Um, Who knows? Who knows what way it's going to go? But boy, is it interesting. Anyway that's it from me well it's not it from me uh you're about to hear from me again so this week without further ado this is the complete tech heads with me tom edwards and this week i bring you liron shapira complete tech heads okay um all right well everybody uh welcome to um this conversation with the very awesome liron shapira my very first returning guest actually so um thanks for joining me liron how are you doing Hey, great to be back, Tom. Enjoyed our last conversation, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you want me to commentate on this drama. Yeah, um, and what a drama it is. Um, so just to do a kind of brief recap on where we are at. Uh, so Sam Altman was sacked from OpenAI. Uh, Greg Brockman joined him. Uh, then 
it seems to have been under mysterious circumstances in some kind of coup, which people initially thought was led by Elias at Skaver, which now doesn't seem to be the case. Now they've ended up at Microsoft and the whole OpenAI team appears to be in some kind of exodus to presumably join them at Microsoft. Um, so what are your initial thoughts on where we're at at the moment? What is the state of the world right now? Oh boy. I mean, they keep, <laughs> they keep changing, right? Um, they, they keep changing so much where it's almost like uh, at this point, I want to be like, well, I obviously don't understand what's going on, so maybe I should shut up. But uh, if I had to you know, give you a few thoughts off the dome here, um, the number one thing I want to keep in mind is that like, in addition to all the politics, there's also the matter of how imminently the world is going to be destroyed by AI. Like, let's not lose sight of that, uh, you know, as, as we analyze all these different things. And obviously that was very important to Ilya. It was important to his mentor, Jeffrey Hinton. Um, now that said, you know, it's, it seems like the, uh, the margin of error or like the, um, the benefit of the doubt is starting to narrow in terms of like, did the board's action make any sense, right? Because it's blowing back so hard. They're losing Ilya now. Um, so, and it, so now it's down to these three other people. It's down to Helen Toner, Natasha McCauley, Adam D'Angelo to it's, it's like them versus everybody now. Right. And then you have somebody like me who you'd think would support the board would support the, uh, the caution side, but they haven't really, you know, given us their reasoning, right. They've literally said like one sentence of saying like, they haven't been candid with us. Right. Which is almost like, okay, is it like a personal beef? Right. So they're really, they're kind of leaving us out in the cold here. It's like, I want to support you guys, but now it's like, all I can do is wait. And, you know, did, do I just think that you screwed up? Do you actually have a, a good reason that you're about to reveal? I don't know. Right. So it's, it's a crazy yeah. situation. So, yeah, right. And, and so the, it, it would seem like if there was a safetyism debate going on in open AI, They've actually made it a hundred times worse now, or you know, a million times worse, a trillion times worse, by sending all of the best people to Microsoft, who presumably have no such concerns, right? Right, and you know that may be the reason why Ilya is kind of pulling back, right? Because it's like, okay, migrate the entire team to Microsoft, right? So what have you accomplished? I mean, I guess that might be why Ilya is like, well, screw this, right? Because if you kick out ninety-nine percent of every single person there, then it's like, what have you done, right? So it's just, it's so crazy how this has gone so out of control, um, and then, and there are so many signs that the board did this incompetently, like looking back. Um, and one of the signs is just, you know, they didn't involve Greg in, in the board meeting, right? Yeah. They, uh, they did it all very rapidly and unexpectedly without telling any other stakeholders, which was pretty weird. And at first I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. I wanted to be like, well, you know, Sam is so powerful that the moment that you try to, you, you turn over your cards, you're going to have so much blowback that they wanted the leverage of being like, well, he's already going to be out let's face the blowback then let's not face the blowback while people are trying to convince us, you know, to stop. Uh, because I know I'm bouncing around, but it reminds me of the Elizabeth Holmes situation. There was an incident where uh, the board tried to fire Elizabeth Holmes in like the early 2010s and she mm -hmm. basically stopped the coup, right? She's like, no, everybody, it's fine. She talked them out of it. Remember? Yeah. 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 And because they only found out like with 30 minutes notice, right? Like apparently Sam didn't know until, until 30 minutes before it happened. Apparently, um, Greg Brockman also didn't know. Um, and Mira only knew like the day before. Um, yeah. Have, have I still got you? Yeah. Can you hear me? I think yeah. my camera just went crazy on me. I'll, I'll try to reload the page or something. I can still hear you. Yeah, I can't see you. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll keep talking. I'll keep trying to fix my camera. Sure thing. Um, cool. So it, it, it certainly seems like um, nobody knew. It all happened incredibly quickly. And now everybody appears to be rowing back on what they said. Um, certainly the the big four, so Elias Sutskeva, well, certainly Greg and Sam Altman, and now Elias Sutskeva as well, appears to be rowing back because he has signed the letter to the board calling on them to resign, um, which is something else that I want to um, kind of discuss with you. So while you're sorting out your camera, I might just 
Sure thing. Okay. Um, so while uh, Liron refreshes his screen, hopefully you guys can stay with me. I'm going to show you now the um, letter to the board that um, was written and signed by Ilya Sitzgeva. Aha, you're back. Mm -hmm. I can uh, I can see you okay. Can you? Uh, yeah. yeah, awesome. Okay, so I was just going to take a look at this letter to the board. Um, the crucial part of which is this signature right at the bottom, Elias Itzgeva. Um, so as you can see here, the uh, it's, it's basically uh, completely calling out the board. And you can see the bit in bold here. Your actions yeah. have made it obvious that you're incapable of overseeing AI. We're unable to work for or with people that lack competence, judgment, and care for our mission and employees. I mean, this is pretty spectacular stuff. So why on earth would Elias Itzgeva have signed this? I mean, I, I think he's, it's, he, as he said on, on X, right, he realizes that he is not accomplishing what he wanted, right? And he wishes he just didn't even bother with any of this because it worked out so bad that he realizes yeah. like, oops, right? And like, now I wonder if there's been any concessions whatsoever in his private negotiations with Sam and, and Greg, right? Maybe they said, look, Ilya, we can do a little better. We want you back. Let's all pull on the same team. Like who knows what happened or, you know, equally likely they're all just like, look, let's just try to like not screw over all the people we work with. You can have a graceful exit, but let's get everybody back to open AI. So you don't ruin their careers. You don't ruin their millions of dollars of, you know, secondary sales. So like, yeah. who knows, right? It's so, there's so much smoke right now, but like, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, like the fact, all the reversals that we're seeing, it's just, it's really whiplash. Yeah. And like, so presumably, you know, coming from the position that, that you come from, you at first would presumably have thought, well, well done, Elia, you know, your conscience is at least clear, even if, even if this does go completely wrong, at least you've stood up. I mean, was that your initial reaction? Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you asked me that. Yeah. Because, you know, before the the checkmate where now it looks like you know Ilya screwed up he's saying he's surrendering he's waving the white flag before that I was like you know what this is a shit show and a, there's a lot of corporate value destruction and the OpenAI API might go down and they might you know set AI progress back a few months like this is obviously a big mess but what I liked about it was that they it's like accountability for Sam on the subject of existential risk. That's what I liked about this because mm. I'm sorry, the guy was going around making irresponsible statements and irresponsible decisions, you know, like beginning on GPT-5 when a lot of experts are pointing out, look, you don't know what capabilities are coming, right? And he's saying like, he's joking like AGI has been achieved internally. He's saying stuff like, look, I think that data centers are going to be the bottleneck, so I'm not worried, but he's admitting, hey, if data centers aren't the bottleneck, then we're screwed. Right. So he's going around with this very casual attitude, not fully mm. casual, but like semi casual, like, look, it's fine. We can manage through this fine. It's not that big of a risk. Let me just keep going. So what I liked was it's like, look, Sam, this is there's a mismatch here between the gravity of the situation and how you're trying to, like, you know, move fast and break things. You're trying to be very much a startup entrepreneur about this. And I know that in your mind, it's it's not time to pull back yet. It's all about accelerating now. And then you can when we get too close to doom, you can pull back. But somebody has to see reality, you know, like the, like Ilya, he says, feel the AGI, right? We only have four years or however many years we have, like, this is not the time to be moving fast and break things. So for me, I was like, wow, the adults in the room stood up and it's like, um, the precipice is right here, Sam. So this is just not cutting it, right? Like so, finally some accountability. So that's what I liked about it, but mm. it turns out that it's just like such a mess. And I don't even know if I like it anymore. Well, it was like the open AI's weird structure being set up as a non-profit was actually it was it was supposed to be for this very thing right so there's another uh, shot that i wanted to share quickly which is from the open ai charter um which i will just quickly bring up now so you can see here on i mean it's it's not a very long document the open ai charter but you can see here the first thing it says is we commit to use any influence we can obtain over agi's deployment to ensure it's used for the benefit of all and to avoid enabling uses of ai or agi that harm humanity or unduly concentrate power um our primary fiduciary duty is to humanity 
We anticipate needing to marshal substantial resources to fulfill our mission, but will always diligently act to min minimize conflicts of interest among our employees, yada, yada, yada. So this bit here, unduly concentrate power, that to me feels like quite a pertinent part of this, right? Like they are, they were potentially starting to concentrate power amongst themselves. And now at Microsoft, I mean, presumably that's going to be like 10 times worse. Like, do you think that this, this charter and this mission that they were supposed to have would have had anything to do with those internal conversations? Um, I would say no. I think that's not how I would interpret it because when that charter refers to concentrate power, I think they're talking about more in the future, right? Where it's like you have this superpower, right? AI that's been that's totally in a league of its own. You have like all of human society inside of a data center, you know, like the power of every human brain put together inside a data center and this asymmetrical weapon, basically. Um, and then it's saying like, hey, don't put that in the hands of one party, right? So I don't think they're quite talking about like which organization today is in the lead of AI, right? It's not okay. concentration in that sense. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I forgot what else I was going to say about this, Sam, um, but uh, something about the charter. Um, I, can, I, mean, I can bring it back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Ask your next question. I'm sure it'll come to me. Well, I mean, so the, the, the next question was going to be about what you, so what would, because there's, there's this conversation about um, there may have been something that happened at OpenAI that led to this conversation happening, potentially, you know, the first look at GPT-5 or some kind of mm -hmm. technological breakthrough. What in your view would be like the worst case scenario there? Because do, do you think we're in a, you know, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll leave it as an open question. I won't lead. I won't lead you. Yeah, like, yeah. What would be the worst case there? Do you think? So the worst case scenario is uh, basically this is what uh, anthropic researchers have channeled through the grapevine. They basically consider a greater than one percent chance of happening, which is you train the next model, and the capabilities that emerge at higher scale are basically super intelligence. Like it's it's still let's say it's still a chatbot, but it's a chatbot that you answer uh, you ask a question, and it can be like, how do I build a company? And the answer is oh, here's a shell script. And this shell script will like get kind of uh, be its own AI. It's, you know, it's kind of like reproducing. Yeah. Uh, and then that that new AI, it's a shell script that's only like a few megabytes of shell script. Just go ahead and put that in your terminal, run that shell script. And then that'll like spread all over the internet and that'll bootstrap, that'll start doing AI research, that'll bootstrap the next AI. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's all happening in GPT-5. Well, with 10X more scale, you can't rule it out because these capabilities just keep emerging. Like you don't know how much insight you get when you do the next layer, right? It's like it used to get a D on exams and now suddenly it's getting an A, right? Like what is the next level? Uh, now I'm only talking about something that I'd give like a 1% chance to, but I can't be so confident that it's definitely for sure not gonna happen because you have to respect the unknown unknown. I mean, we're building a brain here, right? We're building and growing a yeah. brain the same way evolution did. Like we're really playing with fire. And I guess it's if it gets to a, because for me, the, the the turning point feels like it's going to be when it starts to have a that you know that ability to reproduce itself, right? But then b mm -hmm. agency in the world. You know, when we start getting into the kind of realm where the AI could potentially start exercising agency in the world, do you mm -hmm. see that so as being a possibility? Agency is one of those keywords that I feel like people say when they don't understand, which is most people, but they don't understand like where the real danger is. Like there's no hard line between it's not an agent and it's an agent. There's no hard line. What's really going on, the, the actual scale that's dangerous is goal to action mapping power, consequentialism mm. power. How good, at, how good is it at uh, understanding the actions required to achieve a goal, uh, you know, like in the analogy of chess or in the, in the domain of chess, it's just like saying like, it wants to win at chess. How good is it at picking the actions that win at chess? Is there such a thing as a more or a less agentic chess player, right? Is stockfish more agentic than deep blue? Not really. You just look at how good it is at picking the chess move, right? Sure. And, yeah, and with I, a chatbot, sorry, I'll finish my thought. No, with with a chatbot, the, the idea is that like, if you know what action to take, the extra step where you actually take the action, that is trivial. <laughs> like you just connect it to an actuator. You know what I mean? Like that's not the hard part. It's, it's not like, oh my God, this has an actuator or this has a loop where it asks it what to do next. It's like, yeah, that part is easy. That's like a hundred lines of code. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, so, so it's, so it's that recursive self-improvement that's the, that's the, the, the key 
Um, well, I don't, I don't even think the FUMA recursive self-improvement is the key. Um, I think it's just being smart, right? So if you told me, hey, the AI is never going to self-improve, but it's already much smarter than humanity, I'd be like, well, that's still incredibly dangerous. Okay. And and so, <laughs> you, so it, it, given that scenario, like Ilya Sitzgeva is a, an incredibly famous and pioneering engineer, researcher, developer. Um, like how worried does it make you if he was worried like is this you know because we've already had jeff hinton as you as you mentioned earlier like how seriously should we take these people because right. the mark andreessen's of the world would say well look they may be good at engineering but they don't understand you know anything mm -hmm. else right <laughs> i mean it's funny that now now that Ilya's come out as like a bigger doomer and and Emma Cheer has come in as CEO. Everybody's like retroactively being like, okay, how do we character assassinate him now that he disagrees with us? Right? <laughs> like, oh, you know, he he's like just an engineer, but he doesn't understand the bigger perspective. It's like you just make up whatever character assassination you need. Because beforehand, a few months ago, people were saying like, let's just listen to what the AI builder experts say. But now it's like a checkmate because Ilya is an AI builder, right? Like he has the, he has everything, right? He's built AI. Yeah. He's helped build a company to make AI. It's like, you can't character assassinate Ilya. And then even Jeff Hinton, I would argue was already very hard to assassinate, but you could be like, yeah. well, he's not corporate or whatever. Um, yeah. So now from my perspective, it's not like, oh my God, Ilya thinks this now I'm updating. It's like, I'm not really updating because it's more like. I'm already here. I'm already at the mountaintop <laughs> warning that AI is dangerous. But like when I see, I'm seeing a very unidirectional flow, right? So there's some people who are pushing back, many people, you know, EAC on Twitter or whatever. There's a lot of people pushing back, but there's also more and more corporate leaders coming out and being like, uh, hey guys, this is, uh, I think I am a bit of a doomer, right? There's like more and more coming out and I'm not mm -hmm. really seeing it the other way. I'm not seeing a flow where people like me are being like, wow, I was, I'm snapping out of the cult, guys. You know, like those movies, uh, those documentaries where people are like getting rescued from the cult. I'm not seeing anybody leaving the cult. Yeah, I I, I am seeing lots of lots more EAC on X. Um, right. Like, uh, what 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 are your interactions with them like? Are you talking to these people a lot? Um, I mean, you know, I, I I go back and forth, but like I do try to keep the perspective that like uh, the larger global community or even you know the American community, like. Americans are not EACs, not even close. EAC is like such a niche, right? I mean, the average, my conversation with the average American is like, hey, have you been following this AI stuff? And they're like, I don't know, AI taking our jobs, something about AI being dangerous. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, you know how like AI might be like really is getting smarter and smarter and it might be like smarter than humanity and then it might take over or it might like cause a lot of chaos because it's smarter than us. And the average American is like, yeah, that sounds really dangerous. And it's, it's kind of ironic, but I think people who are stupider are like they intuitively get that people smarter than them are like have a lot of power over them right and so yeah, it's easy yeah, to be yeah. like yeah I and mean, then an ai true. will be even smarter so it's almost like they have like the relevant life experience to understand what's coming next which is that like a smarter entity is going to have more power than you mm, yeah yeah for sure um so so back back to the open ai structure then what is your knowledge of emmett shear and what kind of a position is he going to be in now? I mean, it's crazy, right? Because it's the way things are going with the politics of it all or the, you know, the governance struggle, it looks like he might be out in the next 24 hours, right? So it could be like a, a, yeah. an irrelevant question. Uh, if he does end up leading the, the 50 people left at OpenAI or whatever, um, I mean, I think he's qualified in many ways. And for me, the number one qualification is the sanity that he's shown by saying there's a five to 50% chance of doom. I mean, Sam Altman has never given a figure, uh, but from my guess, based on his statements, following his statements quite closely, is Sam is probably around the 1% level or even like the 0.5%, like that ballpark. Mm. Um, and that's like a little bit too low. <laughs> I feel like you got to You got to at least give it like 5%, 3%. You got to give it a few percent here at this point this late in the game where AI is approaching and like so many top scientists are coming out and like the logic, you know, instrumental convergence, like the conceptual framework is there. I'm not asking anybody to be a 50% or a 90% doomer, but you got to give us 5% at this point. Yeah. And I guess even if you're 5% is, we spoke about this last time, but even if you're only 5%, the, the, even, even if it's that low of a probability, the scale of, destruction uh is is large enough to warrant being very worried about that five percent right 
Right, with 5%, right? Now, I don't try to make that argument with 1%, right? So I don't go there because that, that really would be Pascal's wager to be like, guys, it's a 0.1% or 1%, but the damage is so big. I mean, there's actually a lot of truth when you get to 1%, but if you get to 0.1% or 0.01%, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to be like, look, it's less than 1%, but it's so bad if it happens. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to mm. I'm just going to say it's 5% plus. Like, it's clearly 5% plus. It's almost hard to explain how things are not going to go wrong. Right? Like when you look at the people trying to explain how things are not going to go wrong, you have Jan LeCun saying like, yep, bad actors could use it to do a lot of damage, but the good actors will prevail. It's like, okay, maybe, right? You can't be high confidence about that. You have to give me 5% that they won't. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, I do, I do get that. I, like the, the, best, the best kind of case for optimism that I can ever think of is that the future is famously unpredictable. And so, you know, and, and so I thought, sort of think, well, you know, we have a bias towards doomsday scenarios as humans, and I sort of hope that that's what's happening, but it is just hope. And I, you know, I very much would, I mean, I wouldn't put a number on my P doom, but I, I certainly agree with you that 5% is, is probably very reasonable at this that's, stage. That's, that's all I ask, right? Don't, <laughs> it's like, don't put a number, but just admit it's at least 5%. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 well, <laughs> like you say, I think it's very difficult not to, right? Like you, and yeah, yeah uh, you know, I, I have I, to I, cite I Jan Lake, you know, the head of alignment at OpenAI besides Ilya, they're like co-heads of it at this point, essentially. Um, Jan Lake, I think is on record saying or agreeing with the idea that it's 10 to 90%, which is again, it's more <laughs> than 5%. That's all I ask, it's more up. than 5%. Right. And people are like, yeah. oh my God, people putting numbers, it's so fake. But it's not really a number. It's an order of magnitude. Right. Anybody yeah. who says less than five percent is crazy. I think everybody who says greater than ninety-five percent is also crazy just because of unknown unknowns. And mm. I think even Eliezer Yudkowski would admit that. I think he'd probably say there's a five percent chance that like something about the way he understands the world is wrong. And I and I would do. And if he wouldn't, then I would, right? Like because <laughs> I don't even understand Eliezer's model quite as well as Eliezer understands it. Um by the way, I, I remember what I was gonna the point I was gonna make before about the OpenAI board. Yeah, go um, ahead. So everybody's saying, like, oh my god, what did Sam do exactly? Right? And that's like this big mystery now. It's like all the cards are turning over except for the board has literally not said anything. Like it's just Ilya tweeted that he regrets his decision, but Adam D'Angelo, Tasha McCauley, uh, and Helen Toner, they haven't said anything. They've been completely silent, right? Which is kind of impressive, right? <laughs> like it's their their hundred yeah. percent silent strategy. Um and it's like what did Sam do, right? Or what did Ilya convince them that Sam did? It hasn't been revealed yet. Um, we have like one sentence officially to go on, right? Which is something like he wasn't candid. Wasn't candid, yeah. With the board. What does that now, mean? Look, right, now Adam D'Angelo, pretty sure he's an Aspie. Pretty sure I'm an Aspie, okay? So Aspie to Aspie, I think that it might actually just mean that they weren't candid with the board, like exactly what it says, right? Like it doesn't imply, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't imply what people originally said, right? Which is like corporate malfeasance, right? It's not anything that would get you su sued in a shareholder lawsuit. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, securities fraud or, or anything that's like actionable in, in the traditional corporate structure. But I, I think what happened is just like, look, Sam basically just wanted to do his own thing. He didn't like the conversations he had with the board where the board was like poking at, including Ilya, where they're like questioning him and he, and he started making it like a very much like a, you know, go through the motions, right? Like he just didn't respect the board essentially, right? Like, yeah. and so he'd show up to meetings, he'd tell them the minimum, and then they'd like discover all this relevant information. This is just my speculation, right? And like, God damn it, you know, like we're, we're trying to like manage this guy and he's like really resisting and, and how's this going to play out in the future? Like this is not a CEO we can manage. So it could just be that, right? Which is like, unfortunately, they're probably not going to have a lot of people on their side if that's all it was, right? Like I, yeah. I get why they would do that, but that's like, probably kind of weak yeah i mean i wonder if the microsoft relationship had anything to do with it because i i, I don't think that, that it was premeditated what happened obviously but he you know presumably his first call was to Satya nadella right like they they turned around this deal in record time i wonder whether he was like because he clearly wanted to accelerate 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 um it, it appears and you've got to assume that Microsoft will be on board with that because they are very, very driven by profit motive above all else and, you know, don't appear to have too many concerns about the safety side. So perhaps he was becoming more and more corporate, more and more profit driven, less and less concerned about broader human flourishing, let's say, and was not 
having, you know, an ongoing conversation about that with the board. So I don't think that Sam has actually changed over the years, right? Like from, cause I've been following as many of his statements as I can. I think okay. that Sam is just a consistent position of like, yes, there's a 1% risk, 0.5% risk, something like that. Uh, but it's tractable, right? We are, he literally says, we are going to manage our way through this fine. I got this. I'm really good at managing, right? I've, I'm just this, I'm in my wheelhouse and we're going to navigate. Somebody's got to navigate, right? And like, yes, humanity only has a 99% chance, but with me in the lead, that's, you know, it's got a 99% chance if I'm the lead. If somebody else less competent in the lead, maybe the chance would go down, but I got this, right? That's kind of always been his, his position. And then I think Microsoft's position, I think Satya is a smart, idealistic guy, right? I mean, somebody that smart usually does have ideals that that's smart and talented. Um, and I think he he's basically talking to Sam. He's probably like, maybe Satya is uh, even more bullish than Sam, but they're probably like in the same ballpark, if I had to guess, where they both think like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to be cautious, but we're going to do this. Um, so like, it's, it's pretty simple to explain their worldview. And to be honest, like the dilemma that I have as a doomer in the uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky tradition is it's hard to explain why it's like, well, you guys are trying to build a perpetual motion machine and what you're doing is likely intractable. Like in your view, you're just wandering in. It looks like it's a pretty, it's a good enough landscape. It looks like the landscape has like a few dark places that you need to not go. Don't go to the dark places, but like, it's fine. It's mostly a nice landscape. Whereas from my perspective, it's like you guys are circling around a black hole. There's no sign that you guys are going to escape this black hole. And the, the, the seconds are ticking past where you're getting closer and closer to the event horizon. You're spinning faster and faster. And like, you guys don't even have the perspective to see that. Right. So, so that is the inconsistency that's yeah. you know, in our worldviews. So with, with, cause, cause Emmett Shearer, I think came in or, or is on record as saying that he uh, believes in advancing AI, but he just thinks it should be going much slower. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any hope for someone like that to come in and have influence over like OpenAI, the husk of OpenAI and to develop that <laughs> relationship with Microsoft or like, like, is he just a, you know, a lost cause by this stage? I mean, that's, it's funny. I mean, imagine Adam D'Angelo is like, I'm going full husk strategy, right? I don't care if there's five <laughs> employees left. Like I'm just going to take, right. This is, we're just going to liquidate it. Right. We're going to extract whatever value is left and we're going to shut yeah. it down. And yes, Microsoft full husk. have a yeah. right. Full, total husk. Yeah. Um, which is like, look, it's, I, I, you can't rule that out. Right. I mean, he's been so steadfast going there so far. Um, yeah. So, so if that happens, you know, can Emmett Chair take the husk of OpenAI, rebuild it a little bit, you know, make, do something with, a, you know, get, get some profit going or whatever, maybe start a research lab. I mean, who knows at this point, right? There, there's, it's just, it's, it's such a crazy situation, but like, I guess the, the default answer is probably like essentially like a wind down process, right? That's kind of my default. I guess. Yeah. I guess what I was, what I'm more getting at is like, if they were really to like, is there any hope for alignment research? Right. I mean, there is a possibility where OpenAI turns into an alignment organization, right? Maybe they even, maybe Jan Lakey even stays there, even though he said he thinks the board uh, should resign. I mean, so th there is some potential, but it's all like, who's going to drive it, right? Because I don't think the board is going to drive it. They're more, I don't think that they like to be proactive. I mean, who knows? Adam mm -hmm. D'Angelo might step up, but I doubt it. Um, well, wasn't that Sutskeva's yeah. job? What didn't Sutskeva Right. Uh, yeah, I see what you're job. saying. It's, yeah, it's possible if, if, if the board can't be convinced. I wonder if Sutskeva will change his mind. I mean, it's like anything can happen at this point, right? There's been so many uh, reversals from our perspective as observers. Um, who knows if it looked any different from the inside? It probably didn't look that much different. Um, yeah. It's just like, I think it's wild speculation to say what the husk of OpenAI is going to do, right? It's just, it's like such a, it's, it's a different entity, right? You can't really extrapolate. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I guess, yeah, I, I, I mean, sort of, I guess it's more in general terms, like from what you're seeing, from what you're reading, like mm -hmm. where do you think alignment research in general is at? Like, is it just so far behind oh, capabilities yeah, research that there's no, there's, there's no hope? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's always some 1% chance, but like the problem is most people even working in alignment research, they actually, even a standard person working in alignment research the kind of questions Eliezer Yudkowsky was publishing and asking in 2013, a decade ago, um, I don't even think that they will have grappled with. I, I, I was just reviewing some of that material the other day just to, to give the, the listeners a sense of what is an un unanswered question in AI alignment. Um, 
there's you can pose a challenge of like, hey, imagine you have a goal-oriented agent, which is how AI is probably likely to be one way or the other. Even people at OpenAI, it's actually a very mainstream opinion among AI labs that like, yes, we are going to face a goal-oriented agent pretty soon. It's coming probably this decade, if not in the next couple of years. So you have a goal-oriented agent. And you just want the agent to be able to have an off button, to be able to stop when you say, hey, stop, you've gone too far. That's all you want. You want it to have a goal. And the, the goal can be, let's say, making paperclips, uh, classic goal, uh, orthogonal goal. It just wants to make paperclips or get you coffee or whatever. But also it wants to shut down when you tell it to shut down. Simple problem, right? Uh, now, the problem is that um, it, you it's called the corrigibility problem, which is that like if it really wants to make paperclips and it has a shutdown button, what it can do is it can be like, hey, what if I just hide the shutdown button? Then it's like the best of both worlds because then I can focus all my resources on making paper clips or getting you coffee. And I just don't have to bifurcate. I don't have to worry about the letting you shut me down because you're never going to press the shutdown button anyway. So this is just like the simplest strategy to, to do what I'm told to do. If you press the shutdown button, which you never will, then I'll shut down, right? Otherwise, I'll get you the coffee. Like this is the optimal design. For sure, so, and that yeah, and so, that gener generalizes pretty far. So like, it turns out that like it's it's actually a very hard theoretical problem that uh, Eliezer and and Miri, the Machine Intelligence Research Institute, they spent a long time researching this, and they have been unable to come up with uh, a theoretical foundation for what it means to have a goal oriented agent that is okay being shut down. Right. So this is just one problem. Yeah. I, they could give you ten problems like this, and it's like. <laughs> The, the people who are doing um, uh, safety research today, they're like, oh, I'm doing interpretability. I'm looking, I'm trying to open the black box and see what it's doing. Mm. Great. You're going to have some insight into what it's doing, right? You're going to, you're going to eventually detect like, oh, it has an instrumental goal of killing people. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, of course it has an instrumental goal of killing people. That's just logic. Killing people lets you accomplish <laughs> a lot of things, right? It's like, oh, you man. can't just try to open the black box and reverse engineer. It's a, co a complicated brain. Like, yes, that is one approach. Go ahead and do that. It's better to do that than to not do that. But at the end mm. of the day, we, we don't even know what it means at the, even with unlimited computational power. Like we don't even have the 101, the introductory textbook of AI alignment. And everybody is, is just saying like, it's going to be okay. Let's just keep wandering in. When I, this is just what humans do, right? It's like we built the first engines without understanding thermodynamics. It's fine. Let's just wander in. You can't wander in, right? There's like, it's, it's so effed up what's, what's happening right now. And like, we have so few years and so many decades needed of alignment research. It's, it's pretty crazy. Well, um, yeah, scary, scary stuff. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I should have, uh, expected to, to start feeling the existential <laughs> dread, uh, sooner when, uh, when speaking to you, but it's, uh, it's definitely coming on now. Um, so we've got a couple of comments. Um, so, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if you, if you're, if you're happy answering some of the comments that are coming in, um, that'd be great. Sure. So, um, so David Shapiro, pr uh, previous guest, um, says, got, got to disagree with agency, lol. Uh, agent model, for instance, is the agent's ability to understand itself and its capabilities. Um, so I think what he's saying there is disagreeing with your previous point about, um, about, about agency. So sure. And maybe yeah, somebody would call that ago. situational awareness, maybe instead of agency per se. Sure. So we're kind of talking semantics really on that one, aren't mm -hmm. we? Yeah, I mean, um, at, at the end of the day, I think goal to action mapping is kind of the core, right? Like, however, I mean, you can define terminology however you want. I think if I say, here's something with strong goal to action mapping, I think you'd probably say, oh, wow, it also figured out situational awareness or it's also agency, right? Like, I think ultimately the, we kind of all will see the same danger. Okay, next question um, is from uh, Paketi Sa. Question, if we get to AGI in five years, what type and how much of that power will the user get? Obviously, we can't all have super powerful AGI agents. Do you think that will happen with GPT-5 <coughs> already? Mm -hmm. So essentially, how much, how much AGI power is going to be in the hands of the average people? I mean, I think as, as long as we're in a regime where anybody can limit the people's power, that then we're still kind of not dead yet, right? And that's what's happening today where it's, you know, it's hard to get access to a unaligned or un rlhf version of GPT-4, right? It's hard to get the version of GPT-4 where you can ask Dolly to make the porn you want, right? Or, or ask how to build a bomb, right? So that as long as we're still in a regime where the companies controlling the most powerful models can still put limitations on it, then that's great. I mean, the, I, I mean, even if you think, okay, limitations are bad, what's great about it is 
the AI hasn't taken over yet, right? Like humanity still has agency, right? And that's kind of my only concern, right? So like when people, when you ask that question to me, you're basically asking a question about like, at best, a five or 10 year time period. Like what's gonna happen before the world ends? Will humans get to play with the latest models? I don't really have much insight to give you, right? I just don't care that much about the answer to that. Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, and and I mean, do, do you think it's realistic that 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 GPT five could be that? Because I think last time we spoke, we were sort of saying in a you know sort of joking that we're not talking about GPT four; we're talking about GPT nine or ten or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but given the leaps, the, the speed of acceleration we've seen so far. Do you think it's realistic to think that 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 GPT-5 could be the one that you're worried about? I mean, realistic. It's it's a one percent chance, right? So it's okay. yeah, it's it's within the realm of realistic. Um, but probably what's going to happen is it's you know we're just going to get closer and closer to doom, right? So like we're not dead yet, but the problem is you know may, maybe you know a lot of people are estimating. This isn't even my own estimate. A lot of people are saying like Dario is very worried about like the next two or three years. Elon Musk, I think his last statement is three to six years. Right. I think mm-hmm. if you if you survey a lot of people working on the AI itself, you might get a spectrum from like a couple years to like 20 years. I think that there's it's a minority of people who are like, oh, it's definitely going to take more than 20 years. I, you know, I think a lot of people will agree that it might take more than 20 years, but I think the probability of that is pretty low in most people's minds. Um, so like that's that's roughly the timeline we're looking at. Um, does that mean GPT-5? Probably not, but maybe. Right. Like it's a very important mm-hmm. fact that I can't tell you why. GPT-5 won't take over the world. My best answer to you is like, well, GPT-4 just seems like it's pretty far away, but like you never know the step size, right? I mean, grokking is a thing. You never know what happens when you make something that's 10 times bigger than GPT-4. Mm. You, you, I mean, it's like, look at the human brain. It's a bunch of neurons. They're trained the right way. They're configured the right way. And then suddenly, you know, you can have a genius. You can have Werner von Braun getting us to the moon, right? When our yeah. ancestors yeah. just like were beavers building dams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, except that the human brain is optimized for efficiency, right? Whereas AIs are not. So there's a natural limit to how much intelligence you can pack into a skull powered so by true. glucose, right? I, 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 it's like, I don't get how people don't see what I see. It's like when you look at evolution evolving the human brain, you just have this dumb process, right? Training the brain, training beavers to build dams, training birds to fly. And then you get a Werner von Braun going to the moon and the brain weighs like a pound right it uses 12 watts as you say it has to fit through the birth canal it doesn't have a data center it doesn't get to run on megawatts or gigawatts it's like i don't evolution got to this point right using and it's such a dumb process there was no creativity building the human brain there was just you know natural selection some died survival of the fittest or that's such a dumb process and it built the human brain it's like there's so much possible above the human brain yeah so it's slightly off topic from open ai but did you follow the ai safety summit how is there any cause for optimism in the global conversation around safety now yeah so the fact that the summit has happened is great so i mean a, a lot of people who have been following ai safety you know for 10 years 15 years before it was cool we have just always assumed people are just never going to take it seriously right like till the very end it's just always going to be like a fun sci-fi thing um and so the fact that people are saying, let's have a, a, a summit to talk about AI safety, like, and the average person, polls are showing the average person is like, yeah, I'm scared of AI. And they're actually right. They're not just being scared of tech, like their beliefs, even though they probably don't know what they're talking about, like they happen to be right. And the reasons why they have the belief also happen to be right. right? It's kind of lucky because um, I, I don't think that their analysis, you can't trust their analysis. They just happen to be right. Uh, so uh, the fact that the government is now not laughing at it, they're saying like they're paying lip service to it. That's all great. Now, the problem is, there's still a long way to go because you go to the actual summit and people are just talking about little things like, okay, yeah, you can like submit a report, right? Like write up what you're doing. Whereas for my opinion, it's like, okay, we're three years, five years, whatever it is to, to AGI. And it's irreversible every step. Every time we have a breakthrough, it's irreversible. Now people know how that breakthrough works. In my mind, it's like, it's crunch time, right? Like you need to halt now, pause AI, right? So there is a big gap between where I think we need to be. And at the same time, the progress made is more than we expected. Mm. Yeah, I mean, one of my concerns about it was that it it seems very broad what they're doing. So the executive order that Biden put out and the the AI safety summit in the UK seems like they're covering a lot of ground. And it's like they're, they're covering a lot of stuff that to, to me just doesn't seem that important. And it's presumably wasting a lot of time, um, you know, whereas 
the the, the capabilities, the you know recursive self improvement, um, that kind of stuff very much should be uh, you know. And the fact that you've got these technolo technology leaders and politicians talking, you know, you would hopefully have a situation where politicians are being educated on the important stuff and not talking about you know a, a lot of the stuff that seems a lot a lot more um you know kind of frivolous um because the the executive order was huge there was loads of different stuff mm -hmm. in there like did, did you feel the same way or or do you think that they should be talking about every single possibility um i mean i i thought it was good for what it was right i mean it's never going to be perfect right but i thought short of trying to push the people even farther and being like guys we're so close to doom right which is kind of my position um, just saying like, Hey, there are big risks. Uh, we need to start getting reporting and there's more on the way that was, you know, probably in like the 90th percentile of what we could ex have expected in terms of like this current step. Right. And now I would really okay. love to see another step in two months. That's like equal magnitude. Right. But, um, I think most, most of us on the doom side are appreciative of, of what the executive order was. Okay. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Some, some cause for optimism there then. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a little bit of optimism. Let's not get too carried away. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you're not feeling too optimistic. Has your P-Doom changed uh, like over the course of the last few months? I mean, it hasn't changed that much because it's like the problem is there's so many steps that need to be taken to pause AI, to actually help us survive, to research AI alignment that it's like, okay, great. Uh, you know, 1% of what needed to be done is being done. Like that's a lot better than zero, but it's just like, we have a few years left and there's still 99% left to do. Cool. Well, look, we're, we're coming up on 45 minutes um, and we've, we've, we've gone off on a, on a few tangents before we wrap up. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't discussed on the open AI situation that, that you think we should be discussing that is important? Uh, let's see. I got my son here too. Um, let's see. Closing thoughts. Um, I mean, it's, it's as a matter of, oh, one thought I wanted to have is just that like people are saying, what's the point of the board doing this when Sam has all the power and he's going to take the people, he's going to take the money, he's going to do everything, he's going to build AI. There actually is a point, like no matter what happens now, there is a point, which is that Sam, uh, assuming this, you know, making some assumptions about what the board thought, um, assuming that safety was an issue in this at all, there's now some public knowledge of like, hey, for all the lip service that Sam pays to safety, Ilya and the board of OpenAI weren't happy with it, right? Mm -hmm. So he is not representative of like a consensus about AI safety. Um, there's there's a lot of dissent in the ranks. And like, that's something that I've been pointing out for a while. For example, when OpenAI started the super alignment team, like it's great that Ilya now has his own team and, and he can do super alignment, but the team set themselves a four-year deadline because they, had, they knew that capabilities were going to race ahead so much that they knew that it was crunch time for them with their super alignment. And so I've pointed out contradictions before of like, why is Sam going around saying he cares about safety while basically funding a Hail Mary pass that's probably not going to work in four years. And then we're going to die. Like, why is that his approach? Uh, and then it turned out the answer was like, well, there was an internal, uh, two internal factions, right? And, and so now yeah. it's just more public knowledge of like, look, OpenAI is not this centrist, sane organization that knows what it's doing. Like there's massive dissent in the ranks, whether it's in the board or whether, whether it's Ilya. Now, well, I have to put an asterisk though. Like for all I know, maybe it's just that it was like a personal beef between Adam D'Angelo and Ilya, right? I mean, like we haven't seen yeah. all the data come out yet, but I think that there's something there in terms of mutual knowledge of, of you know, of who really gets safety. Yeah. I mean, it does, as a, as, as a sort of mild counter to that, it does seem like the overwhelming majority of the OpenAI team are with Sam and and mm -hmm. and probably going to go with him i mean do you think that's more to do with the i mean he's quite a charismatic leader he seems quite sort of people people seem to like him as a person right so i think you know it's a little bit hard to read the signal coming from the employees i mean there's no doubt there's no doubt that they appreciate his leadership i mean that he's i think everybody agrees that OpenAI is where it is today largely because of his leadership in terms of like business success and traction yeah. and and just even even just keeping for keeping the research program going even just leading the corporate side of the research effort. so he's obviously done a lot he's an amazing guy um that said if they have the position that like, wow, Sam has really been steering us wrong in terms of like moving so fast 
not giving time for safety, releasing GPTs that like allow prompt injection, which is just a bad sign to when the GPT gets too smart, it's still gonna allow prompt injection. Like we can't fix prompt injection now, you know, like all these beefs like that. If people have all these beefs with Sam, like Ilya probably did, I think it still makes a lot of sense now why they're trying to unite with Sam, which is just like, look, let's just keep working out the beef. Let's get in a new board, right? It's like they they know that the bringing Sam back is going to have a million problems, but they also think that like collapsing everything is bad too, right? So they're trying to mm -hmm. be like, let's get Sam in. Let's keep working the problem. Let's keep, let's not have Sam control the board. Let's get in a couple new board members. So there's still a check on Sam, right? It's like they want to do all these things, but like they don't want to collapse it out. And also they all stand to lose millions, right? Like let's not forget that factor. I'm not saying like Baptist versus bootleggers, but it's like, look, I'm all for AI safety, but if I if I stood to lose millions, I'd be like, well, can I just like have my millions and then work this out? Like, what's the big deal, right? Yeah. So like, I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Well, it's also, you know, that kind of financial incentive, it can cause you to change your mind, right? Like people, it, like those kinds of financial incentives can make you believe things that you didn't believe previously. You know, you only have to look at like tobacco executives, right? Like if, if they had, you know, back in the 60s or whatever, taken seriously the research that was in front of them, Mm -hmm. it's unconscionable what they're doing but because there's a financial incentive they they i you know i believe that they honestly believe the the the, the counters that they kind of generated um i think people are malleable you know like right and and like all they're saying is that they've lost faith in the board. And like, look, I, I, like I said, I, I tend, I thought that I was going to be on the Ilya and Adam D'Angelo side, but like, I have to admit, right? Like the board is clearly not executing well. I mean, even Emmett Shear came in and said like, this was done badly, right? Like the way that yeah. they communicated. Yeah. Cause like the problem is, here's one problem that I identified um, on Friday when Ilya led the all hands right after the board had announced what they'd done it didn't seem like there was much leadership in Ilya's all hands. I mean, I wasn't there. I only know like one quote, right? Which is saying like, yeah, this is not ideal, but it had to be done. Like it didn't seem like he was like, and here's the path forward, right? Like things are going to be different around yeah. here because we're doing this. It seemed like he was just very like mild and just trying to like smooth things over. But it's like the team needed strong leadership in that moment. Yeah. And he isn't, he's never been or claimed to be a kind of charismatic business leader, has he? He's a scientist really. Yeah. So, but, so I guess this just goes back to the point of like, I get why the employees are like, okay, we've lost face in the board. The board needs to go. Right. But like, once the board goes, if they succeed, there's still like a lot of disagreement or like legitimate concerns that they'll, that they're going to still have after that point. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Well, I am being notified by my phone that my camera is about to die. So, um, I'm going to have to wrap up, um, pretty shortly, but look, um, to all of our viewers that have tuned in, um, thanks very much for joining us. Um, and Liron, appreciate you. Thanks for coming on again. It's always great to speak with you. Um, and I'm sure we'll speak very soon. Cool. Yeah. Thanks very much, Tom. Uh, let's, uh, let's all get the popcorn out and keep watching the drama. For sure. Yes. Nice one. Okay. Thanks, everybody.